Welcome to all of our nappers out there. Thank you for tuning in to Nap Time. My name is Kat LaBave, and I'm excited to be your host for tonight's fourth episode of this livecast. This series is brought to you by the DC chapter of the National Association of Asian American Professionals, or NAP for short. And a huge thanks to our sponsor for this episode and previous two episodes, Chief of Hearts, a diversity science company helping organizations build scalable and sustainable diversity programming from a lens of equity. The purpose of this series is to empower our members and our community to have real, vulnerable conversations where we discuss real life issues, unpack why these issues matter, and how we, as allies, can be more intentional about the actions we take to make positive change for our communities and to move the DEI needle forward. Today, our conversation is going to cover the topic of colorism, and more specifically, colorism and microaggressions within the BIPOC community. So to help us unpack this important topic, we have two wonderful human beings who will be joining us today, and we'll be sharing their thoughts, experiences, and opinions on this. Today, we're joined by Sharita and Alan. Welcome. Uh, would you guys like to introduce yourselves? Absolutely. Thank you, Kat, for that wonderful introduction. Hi, everyone. My name is Sharita Russell-Navel. I am the Associate Director of WIN in the NAP Boston chapter. And outside of NAP, I work as a commercial banking associate in finance. Hi, good evening, everyone. My name is Alan Chow, and I am the chapter director for the self-care uh, self wellness program here in DC. Uh, outside of NAP, I am a workforce consultant and a federal contractor working in the Washington DC area. Great to be here. Thanks so much for being here, guys. So to start this conversation, I'd like to pose you guys the first question. What is colorism and why is this important to discuss in the context of the BIPOC community? Sharita, would you like to start? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Kat. So colorism is, is really the discrimination against individuals with a dark skin tone. And this is typically among people of the same ethnic or racial group. And honestly, it's important to discuss because we experience it from, from non-BIPOC people. We experience a lot of uh, racism um, and a lot of discrimination from non-BIPOC people. But when it's actually from members of our own community, it's even more hurtful because we should really be, be standing together and, and fighting for the same cause here. And sometimes race in itself can be a blurred line. Like you can identify with multiple races. You can be mixed race, but skin color ultimately will serve as almost like the obvious criteria in determining how a person will immediately evaluate you. And we see colorism in, in Latin America, we see it in Asia, in Africa, and there's just been dozens of research and that have shown that skin tone and, and other features play powerful roles. So I would say overall, overarchingly, it's so important to acknowledge the impact that colorism has in our communities and how um, some people have privileges over others as well. That, that's a great point. Uh, Alan, do you have anything you'd like to add to that? Uh, Sharita pretty much nailed it. I think that was a great definition. I mean, colorism is a 
very complex uh, concept and idea. Um, you know, we talk, we're talking about skin tones. Um, by some estimates, the uh, skin whitening industry is estimated to be a $5 billion industry worldwide. And that's projected to grow into a $9 billion industry within the next five years. I mean, just to put it to scale, I mean, I don't think Dr. Evil could uh, even picture $1 billion on his best day. Uh, so there is definitely a widespread prevalence. And uh, like Sharita said, uh, it can happen within our own communities or it can happen with uh, across the BIPOC community, especially uh, hitting hard for the biracial or multiracial people who share multiple identities. And um, microaggression and colorism within our communities uh, leads us to wipe each other's voices out and diminish our shared experiences. And that is something that is definitely worth addressing as we try to unify and move forward together. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with what both of you guys are saying and you both put it so eloquently. Um, you know, it, it's hurtful when we experience it from non-BIPOC people, uh, but it's definitely much more hurtful and much more shocking when it comes from people within our own community. Uh, and these, you know, these stereotypes and this implicit really do continue to create chasms within my, our own minority groups uh, and divisions within our community that don't always help us, you know, find that inclusion and, and diversity and equity for people. Um, so to go off of that, uh, you know, have you ever experienced microaggressions personally from members within the BIPOC community? Uh, and if so, how do you think you yeah, I, I think this is definitely a very close to home question for sure. Um, I've definitely experienced it and, and in so many ways, like growing up, being um, one of the only Asians, but among when I see other BIPOC community members, I'm like, okay, well, you know, we don't have the same ex the same experiences, but we're we're both not white. So it's kind of weird to, to have the microaggression um, come from someone that is in the uh, the BIPOC community. So just taking a whole step back, even when I go back to Thailand, um, I'm getting microaggressions, like despite being in, in my home country, because my parents are from Thailand, like I, I do have lighter skin than, than a lot of my uh, colleagues and or a lot of my family members in, in Southeast Asia. And so sometimes they'll, they'll see me as, oh, like this Japanese Chinese kid, like walking down the street and it's like, oh, like that's interesting in itself. And then growing up here, being uh, in the BIPOC community, I've definitely experienced it um, being Asian, being a little bit more lighter skin than some of my peers and even some of my Southeast Asian peers as well. And that really hurts because I'd like to think of us having a, a unified idea of, of what we want to accomplish as, as the BIPOC community. Um, sometimes Asians are not viewed as people of color. I've actually heard people say that to my face um, from the BIPOC community saying, you are not a person of color. And I'm here, like, I've, you know, I've, I've been an immigrant, um, or my parents were immigrants, and I'm first gen. And I've had the experiences of being a person of color growing in a, a almost all white community. And so to hear someone say that and completely, like, disregard my identity completely is, is very hurtful. And I think that's kind of why I feel like it's important to think about colorism from all aspects. Um. Yeah, and uh, for me, what resonate, resonates with me the most is uh, as a workforce consultant, um, a lot of my 
adult and professional life kind of circles around the business setting. And um, without going, you know, too deep into it, I've experienced some level of that uh, at work as an Asian person and also uh, see how it happens to, to other people uh, within or across the BIPOC community um, doing that to each other. And it's always um, disheartening to see and experience that because it is so tough uh, as an Asian or as a, a person of um, minority group uh, in the American business place. Um, it is extremely more so when um, you realize that you don't really have an ally where you thought you would have. And now you just have to exert more emotional labor to uh, put on a front for your non-BIPOC um, colleagues, as well as the person who is um, demonstrating colorism. No, good. I mean, both of you guys, I mean, thank you, first of all, for sharing those experiences and for really touching on these topics that are so important and often are not talked about. Uh, Sharita, you know, your point to colorism in terms of the way that you're treated when you are lighter skinned um, and some of the erasure, uh, erasing of identity that you touched on and that Alan had touched on in the previous question are very real. Um, and just because, you know, we ought, might be lighter skinned does not necessarily mean we are not colored. And, and Alan, you know, great point making within the uh, workforce as well. That's a really important point. Um, how would one, I guess my next question for you guys would be, how would one combat activism? What can our call to action be? And how can we ensure that this stops being such a prevalent thing that we are experiencing within our own minority? Yeah, so I think there's a lot of different ways that we could handle um, when we think about microaggressions and actually addressing it, and specifically from like a colorism perspective, um, with any microaggressions, you want to first evaluate the situation and you want to ask yourself, well, if I respond to this, will I be in any sort of physical or safety danger? Um, if I respond to this, how defensive will the person be? Will this lead to an argument? And also, if I respond to this, how will this impact my relationship with the person who's doing it? Will I regret it if it's if it's a coworker, am I making too much of a big deal of this? And if I don't respond overall, well, how does that, like, th does that mean that this is acceptable? Or, um, so these are kind of the questions that I personally ask myself. And every time I think about how I respond to these sort of statements, sort of um, microaggressions. And I would say the first thing that I would do is in terms of approaching it, uh, once you evaluate that, you can start to think about, do you want to respond to this in more of a passive aggressive way? If it was more of a, a tiny uh, comment, just so that they know that this is not okay, but it's not as direct, or do you want to be more proactive about it and really um, try to engage a more proactively so that you get a response and they realize that, that what they're doing is really not okay? Um, or do you want to be completely assertive and, and really just address and tell them and you can start by educating them about um, why what they said was not okay and just spreading more awareness about it too. Cause I think like all the issues that we've been facing so far, what it, a lot of it stems from is the lack of awareness. People are just not aware when they make these comments, they're not aware of the repercussions and maybe they just 
they're so used to it, they feel like they can just keep doing it. Um, so I almost feel like once you evaluate, you should really start thinking about how to best respond so that they're able to learn from this and go forward. Yeah, I absolutely agree with Sharita about raising awareness. And um, I would say that one of the first things you could do is to take care of yourself and make sure you're okay and you feel safe first. And then approach the situation as you see fit and as you're comfortable. And there are just like racism that uh, happens to people in the BIPOC community, um, there's a gradient and then there are always multiple varying ways of handling it that are um, respective to the kind of uh, attack. Um, also, I feel like we are also in a unique position to um, do some reflection ourselves and question how we um, might also accidentally uh, demonstrate colorism sometimes. It's important for us to kind of take on the work ourselves as well. Um, and some of us who have been victims of microaggression and discrimination from uh, white people would understand that like, hey, maybe I should be more sensitive in a certain way, or maybe I should think about this in a certain way. Uh, again, from a workforce perspective, uh, it comes down to a lot of conversations that um, maybe you're willing to have with your coworkers, um, either providing support, giving them space to speak at bus uh, business meetings, daily updates, recognizing them for the skill sets that they have, not what they're assumed to be capable of. Um, so kind of going back to a quick example is that I've seen cases where uh, black women especially are often put into a position of like administrative support and they're just really there uh, as best for, you know, taking notes or just, you know, being there to, to listen, but not necessarily to contribute. Mm -hmm. And um, it's important to recognize things like that so that once you catch this, like during the meeting or during a, a group session or whatever, uh, you can put a stop to that and then just kind of provide the space for them to enter in and continue. I love that. Uh, inviting people forward and really creating space for them is huge uh, and that cannot be unemphasized enough. So uh, both of you, thank you so much. Uh, I totally agree. You know, an important part of the community is to have these difficult conversations. And I'm so thankful that you guys were both willing to come on and have this conversation with me. Uh, you know, we need to be able to hold each other accountable to Sharita's point, and we need to be assertive in our criticism towards each other and really ensure that we're, as Alan said, making space for everyone to be included. Well, everyone, that's all the time we have for today's episode. Sharita, Alan, if our listeners want to connect with you outside of this call, how can they? Yeah, absolutely. Um, please feel free to message me on LinkedIn, uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. My name's a little long, Sharita. A rest the novel, um, it, but I also have an email which is equally as long, but I'll shorten it because I have a personal email, sharitar at gmail.com. So. And uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn, Alan Chow, Workforce Consultant, and uh, I welcome any uh, outreach and email from there as well. Wonderful. Well, thank you guys again for being on this podcast with or live cast with me today. Um, and if you wanted to connect with our chapter, you can find us on LinkedIn and Facebook. Simply search for NAFDC. And if you have suggestions for future topics or would like to take part in this conversation, then please reach out to us. 
Our next April episode will be on April 15th and we'll be discussing tokenism and its detrimental impacts. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much, Sharita and Alan, for being here. Much love to you all, and we will see you next time. Oh, 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 o